podcast from the Sunday night service at New Life Church. The Sunday night service reflects a desire to be rooted in the historic expressions of faith while engaging God with our whole being in the world today. For more information on New Life Church, you can visit our website at newlifechurch.org. The title of my talk tonight is Gifts, Gifts, and More Gifts. Uh, we're talking through Ephesians, and we're going to study Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 tonight. But I want to give you kind of a recap of the book of Ephesians to catch us up to where we are, where we're going to go from tonight. So in the first chapter, you see the Apostle Paul talking about the grace of God. You see him talk about adoption. We've been called his children now. We're no longer aliens. We're, we're in the family. And then he talks about we've been chosen by God. He talks about we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, and now we're in the family. And then he prays that we would know the wisdom of God, that we would have wisdom to understand God's love for us. So that's chapter 1. And then in chapter 2, he talks about the work of God for the individual. He opens up, you were dead in your sins and your trespasses, and now you've been made alive with Christ. So he talks about the individual work that God has done for each of us. But then he shifts into a kind of a corporate mode. And then he says that you Gentiles, you outsiders, you who were not in the family have been brought in. And he says now in Christ you're included in the family. We are one in Christ. We've been united. All of us are united in Christ. And then Paul says that God is building all of us together, Jews and Gentiles, insiders and outsiders. He's building all of us together into this holy temple where God himself dwells. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture that God is taking all of us and making a home for himself to live in. And then we see God working within the collective community. And I would just like to throw this out that God is in the room tonight, people. That we are not here alone. We are not here just out of routine. It's because the people of God have, have gathered for a couple thousand years, though the people have got, of God have gathered. We're here because Jesus rose from the grave and is seated at the right hand of God the Father, sending thunder right now <laughs> to remind us of His glory and His power and His awesome strength that he's above all, that he's in all, that he's through all. And we're here because we are his people called by his name and he is with us. Jesus said, where two or three of you are gathered in my name, there I am. So when the first two people got here tonight to start setting up for Sunday night services, about probably 2.30 in the afternoon, 3 o'clock, God showed up. God's here. So we're, we're, this is not just us kind of striving. This is us worshiping the living God who is with us tonight. Um, chapter 3, Paul jumps into the mystery that the Gentiles have been brought in. He says that this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are now heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together in the promise in Christ. And then Paul prays, and this is what I talked on a, a few weeks ago, Paul prays for us that together, he said, I pray that you together with all the saints would be able to grasp how high and how wide and how deep and how long is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. So that's chapters 1, 2, and 3. 
And then here we see a shift in the book of Ephesians. There are two sections in the book of Ephesians. The first one might be known as doctrinal, doctrine, doctrine, a set of beliefs that we hold about God and who He is. So chapters 1 through 3 is very doctrine heavy. Chapters 4 through 6 are practical. So we've got doctrine, then we've got practical. Another way of saying it would be the first three chapters are about God and His church. And the second three chapters, 4 through 6, are about acting like God and His church. This is our role that comes to the forefront here. We see what we as believers in Jesus Christ are supposed to do in response to His great love for us. So we don't earn, Ephesians 2.8, you're saved by grace through faith for works. We aren't saved by works, but because we're saved by His grace through faith, we end up doing works to bless people. So Ephesians 4, we pick up here, and we are starting to learn how to act like God and His church. He opens up in chapter 4 and says, Hey, you guys, live a life worthy of the calling. Because God has done this for you, live a life that's holy. Live into and and live up to the calling that he's given you. Live a life worthy of the calling. He says, be humble, be gentle, be patient, bear with one another in love. He says, do everything you can to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace within your relationships. Fight for unity. He gave it to us, now he said, you maintain the unity that I fought to give you. And then he says, Christ ascended. He he rose from the grave. And in his ascension and in his conquering, he gave gifts to men and women. He gave gifts to his body, to his people. So tonight we're going to talk about the gifts that God has given us. In Ephesians 5, 1, he says, Therefore, be imitators of God. Act like him. Now your job as believers is to act like God. Imitate Him. Do what you see Him doing. Say what you hear Him saying. Be like God. So that's the framework for our launching into Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 tonight. So let's read it together. Um, you don't have to read it out loud. We've done plenty of that tonight. Um, but let's read 4, 11 through 16. You can follow it on the screen. Paul says, It was He, God, who gave some people to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So now I want to go through each verse real quick and just give a synopsis of it and then we'll pick one thing to focus on. So Ephesians 4.11, he says it was He, God, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. Um, Ephesians is a book about church. So it would be natural that in a book about church, there's a discussion on leadership within the church, right? 
So this is not an exhaustive list of the gifts of the Spirit that God has given to a select few within the church. Paul is not even thinking that way. In fact, we'll look at what Paul says about the gifts that God has given to all of us. But since it's a book on church, Paul addresses church leadership within that church. And he's saying, uh, apostles, basically these are the people who witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. His followers, the ones who saw him rise. The ones who saw him come alive and walk around and eat fish and, and, uh, and show up through walls like a ghost, just like pop into rooms, and they're scared out of their minds, and, and he says, don't be afraid, and they're like, stop scaring us. <laughs> uh, so these are the guys who saw him, and Paul. Paul had a vision, he, though he didn't see the resurrected Christ, he had a vision of Jesus, and Jesus knocked him off his horse, blinded him, you know the whole story, right? And opens up his eyes and says, look, it's me you've been persecuting, now I want you to go to the Gentiles and tell them the mystery that they have been now included in my family. So this is Paul. These, these apostles, apostles get stuff going. Apostles are the ones who have laid the foundation that we, the church, can build on. And there are people in this room who, who have sort of an apostolic bent, uh, who, who, who like to get something going, who like to oversee things, who, who have a gifting for building up the church and, and overseeing the church and helping the church be healthy and strong. Then there's prophets. These prophets spoke in the name of the Lord, guiding the church, especially before the New Testament was written. So back in the day, they didn't have the scriptures like we do. Uh, so there were prophets who knew the word of the Lord from the Old Testament. And they were able to take all the pieces of the puzzle and say, look, you heard this, you know this in the Torah, you know this about scripture. And guess what? This is Jesus now that we're seeing. This is all pointing to Jesus Christ. So the prophets would speak in the name of God with their understanding of Scripture and help people understand how to live for Him. Then we've got evangelists. They announced to the surprised world that the crucified Jesus had risen from the dead and was both Israel's Messiah and the world's true Lord. That's borrowing some language from N.T. Wright. He, he says that evangelists, and Scripture is real clear that evangelists were the ones who said, look, Jesus is alive, He's risen, He's conquered the enemy, and now you can have life by believing in His name. Then we've got pastors who are to look after the church, to care for the flock, to shepherd the people, to dispense the resources that people give as worship, tithes and offerings. Pastors are to take that and to see that it's dispensed to the poor and the needy, to see that it's managed wisely and, and take care of the body of Christ in the local town, uh, in the local neighborhood. So pastors are the ones that help care for the flock of God faithfully. And then we've got teachers who develop and train their understanding and help people understand the link between us and the people of God. We who are on the outside, these teachers help us understand how we're now on the inside. Does that make sense? Thank you for that no response. <laughs> I'll do my best. So verse 11, we see the gifts that God gave. Some people are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And then in verse 12, he says, the reason why we have these gifts within the church is to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining or living into the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's kind of daunting. (laughs) 
living into, attaining the full measure, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Becoming like Jesus is basically what Paul is saying. So as, as people within the church exercise their gifts, the church is prepared to serve the poor and the needy within the community, to take care of the widows and to help people all around. And in that process, we, the body of Christ, become mature and we grow into the fullness of Jesus Christ. Why church leadership? Why, why is it not a free-for-all? It's because God knows that he wants a, a mature body and he sees fit that there will be people within the church who can help the body become mature. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants. That's the result of having a mature body. Ready to serve, we will no longer be infants, Paul says, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. See, in Ephesians, there is a concern for truth. Paul, Paul is very dedicated to the truth of God's word. And he's very serious about the truth being upheld and us walking in the truth. So he, he says that God has assigned some people within the church who will help hold the line, who will help preserve the truth so that crazy people in their scheming and in their craftiness and their deceit won't lead the body of Christ away from the truth. There's a... I, I got to see what Paul was talking about yesterday live and in person. We took our kids to the pool, uh, to a community pool, and Wilson just loves to be in the water. He just... He gets in the water and immediately starts flailing all of his appendages, just splashing all over the place. And, and he thinks he's this big boy. He's 11 months. And, and, and he just goes for it. So we're standing in six inches of water. And Wilson's like, you know, up to here, and crawling. You know, he can't walk yet. And so he's crawling in the water and he's just having a blast. And he'll sit up and splash and then crawl some more. And then we're in eight inches of water and... And then he, you know, he's, I'm a big boy, he's really proud of himself, and then he crawls into 10 inches of water, and then all of a sudden, he's underwater. Just, he's, he's pulled. There's not even a current in these kiddie pools, but somehow he's pulled by this non-existent current into a foot of water, and he's like, <laughs> and I, I was with him the whole time, I'm standing right by him, helping, wanting him to learn you got to be careful here. You can't just go like you're a big boy. You will drown. And so I'm, I'm with him. And Wilson learns that he's not a, as big of a boy as he thought. And when he got in that water, he had no idea. And, and don't feel like I'm being morbid here. But he had no idea that it could potentially be deadly. In six inches of water, eight inches of water, ten inches of water, he's having a great time. All of a sudden, he's in this place where if we weren't there, if no one was at that pool, it would not be a good day. And, and Wilson would have died if he were alone. And what Paul is saying is, as the body is equipped for works of service by healthy leadership within the church, then we will no longer be infants tossed to and fro by the waves by the deceitful scheming, by the craftiness of men. What he's saying is there is danger in the world. As much as we'd like to act like there's not, there is danger within the world. And Paul is saying, heads up, people. Look, if you are not careful, if you don't hold to the truth, you will die. 
So Paul is very serious here in his discussion of sticking to the truth. Paul was writing to a people who lived in a syncretistic and a pluralistic culture. Syncretism. Pulling whatever we want and making our own religion. Oh yeah, I really like that. I I really like that feature of Buddhism. And I really like this, uh, you know, within whatever. And I like this and and it's kind of this conglomeration of whatever the heck we want it to be. And Paul is saying, no, there is a truth that you have to live by and hold to. And it will happen as you stay within the body and are prepared for works of service. As you express your love, as you express the gifts that God has given you, you are matured into this healthy, strong person of God who is not going to be tossed around by the waves. We have something to anchor to. We're safe. Verse 15, instead, instead of being tossed around, instead of being babies, Paul says, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Some of us are really good at truth. Some of us are really good at love. Not everyone is great at truth and love mixed. You know, some people like to just hold to the truth and confront and call people out and put it to them and you're wrong here and let me set you straight. And there's not always love. Other people are really loving so much so that they're so soft that they don't hold to the truth and they they aren't willing to confront. They aren't willing to speak the truth they're just willing to speak love. Oh, I just, oh you're just such a great guy. And just, oh, you're amazing. And, and I mean, you'll get it together. God will show you somehow. Hopefully, an angel will visit you in the night and, and show you that you're wrong. But I'm just going to love you. Let the angel be the truth messenger, but I'll just love. No. Speaking the truth in love, Paul talks about. He wants the marriage of truth and love in our relationships within the church. As we do that, we will be built up into the image of Christ Jesus. We'll grow up into the head of the body who is Christ. From Him, verse 16, from Him God, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You see, God is the one who brings the growth. We don't bring growth. We bring gifts that He's given us, submit them to Him and serve other people And through that process, God brings growth within the body. God brings growth. We bring gifts. It's a beautiful, beautiful marriage. But if we don't submit our gifts, if we don't submit our lives to God, He can have all the power in the world to bring growth, but He's depending on our cooperation. So we as the body of Christ cooperate. We're co-laborers with Christ in bringing our gifts and letting Him bring the growth. The the aspect of tonight that I want to focus on are the gifts that God has given us and each part doing its work. 1 Corinthians 12, 4-7 says there are different kinds of gifts. This is Paul, the same guy who wrote Ephesians. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God who works all of the gifts in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. I love that. To each one the manifestation of the Spirit, these gifts that God has given us, have been given to us for the common good, for the growth of the body of Christ. So that we'll be complete. 
so that we'll be built up, so that we'll be mature and we'll get rid of infancy. Make sense? Okay, so about gifts, we've got to think rightly about our gifts. Sometimes we can be too self-deprecating. God has given us gifts and they're beautiful gifts and they're for the common good and we ought not talk ourselves out of using them. Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just a school teacher. I can teach. I love my kids. But man, I don't have anything to offer the body of Christ. Wrong. Now to each one. Each means all. (laughs) Last time I checked. Now to everyone in the body of Christ, these gifts have been given for the common good. And so we've got to identify our gifts and be willing to use them for the glory of God. Paul says in Romans 12, 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We all have different gifts according to the grace given us. See, Paul does not give us a free pass to see ourselves as unimportant in the body of Christ. We all are super important in the body of Christ. Romans, or excuse me, Corinthians, Paul says, look, should the foot say to the hand... He's talking about this metaphor of the body of Christ. Should the foot say to the hand, I don't need you? No. Should the eye say to the nose, I don't need you? Should the fifth lumbar say to the elbow, I don't need you? No, Paul is emphasizing the beauty of each individual member of the body of Christ coming together to create this healthy body that functions for the glory of God. I would say not too highly, but highly. Paul says, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but he doesn't say, don't think of yourselves highly. He does, he does want us to take ourselves a sober judgment. So he says, look, think of yourself highly, but not too highly. We all matter here in the body of Christ. Let's take our gifts seriously. Let's be people who don't underestimate what God has buried deep inside of us that is waiting to come out for the good of the people in the body of Christ and for the good of the people who don't know Christ yet who are waiting to know Him. See, God is in your gift. Whatever your gift is, whether you're a computer programmer or a school teacher or a stay-at-home mom or a CEO or a lawyer or a doctor or a janitor or a Starbucks barista, God is in your gift. There's a beautiful example of teamwork that I want to talk about. There's ants who in the animal kingdom are classified as social insects. Ants, all right? They're, they teach their young. And what they do is they have an older ant who's been around in the family for a long time take a younger ant and teach the younger ant how to forage for food and bring it back to the colony. And so what they do is the older ant runs ahead of the younger ant, but not too fast. If he gets too far ahead of the younger ant, he slows down so that the younger ant with her antennae can feel the older ant 
and, and not get lost. But the older ant presses it. So he wants the younger ant to catch up to speed. So he stretches them. But if he stretches them too far, he slows down and brings them along. And I think that's a beautiful metaphor, a beautiful picture of how we in the body of Christ can work together. It's called tandem running that these ants do. They go out in twos, the older teaching the younger, and the older waiting on the younger, but the younger also feeling the need to really catch up and to to learn how to do this. And I think, I mean, in marriage, I've been married five years. To me, that's a long time. To some of you, you... it's like, let me know when you get married, you know. And so I know it's not a long time, and I know that I don't have it all figured out. But I meet with couples who are engaged in getting ready to be married, and I know that there's a lot that I can give them. But Barry Huggins, Barry and Karen Huggins, who have been married, they come here on Sunday nights, who have been married for like 6,000 years, they have so much to give Lisa and me. And we've been in their home and we've had dinner and they, they love us and they talk to us and they dote on our kids and they're just so motherly and fatherly. And they are helping. It's tandem running right now in real time with Barry and Karen Huggins. Barry's, he's, he's helping me, but he's not leaving me in the dust. He knows that he can teach me how to do marriage well by just walking with me. And I think that's how it happens in the body of Christ. We all have gifts to give. And that little ant that's trying to keep her antennae on the older ant, here in another year is going to be the one leading the foraging with the, the next younger ant who's up and coming. So let's all take our gifts seriously. Let's all understand that God is in our gift. These ants are known as superorganisms. And the definition of a superorganism is a group of agents which can act in concert to produce phenomena collectively. Doesn't that sound really familiar? Isn't that a picture of what we as the body of Christ are? A group of agents, a group of people which can act in concert together to produce phenomena collectively. None of us can do building the kingdom of God on our own. None of us can be the the one out in the front carrying the whole body. Each member doing its work. Each member submitting to the other. Each member respecting the other. That was like the craziest spit I've ever seen in my life. Sorry. (laughs) Each member respecting the other and working together. And then all of a sudden you look up and we're doing the impossible. We are doing the supernatural by each one of us just doing our little work that we think is insignificant. But to each one of us, Ephesians 4, 7, right before the passage that we're studying, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. It comes down to, do we actually believe he did a good job or do we think that he messed up? Did he mess up with me? I mean, I look at Aaron and Becca Wagner and they're awesome, but I I can't do that. I'm not really, I don't fit into the body of Christ. I'm just kind of, I just kind of can come and get stuff, but I don't have anything to give. It's not true. But to each one, he's given us grace as he decided to apportion it. God did not mess up with you. 
God did not mess up with his idea of the body of Christ. It's a very good idea. It's how he's chosen to demonstrate to the world his love and his faithfulness and his saving power. This passage is about the whole body of Christ and each member within it coming to maturity. One of the things that I think is important to know is that your gifting may not have anything to do with what you get paid to do. You know, we've got some engineers in the room. Uh, That's a skill. That's a really good skill. And I'm proud of you for getting that degree and for building awesome buildings and, and sewage structures. And without engineers, we're all in trouble. But that's a skill that you've acquired. It may be your gift, but it may not be your gift. I have a friend who sold pharmaceuticals for 35 years. His gifting is not pharmaceuticals. His gifting is hospitality and encouragement. And this guy, it, you just want to be in their home. They feed anyone who comes through their doors, and you leave feeling like a million bucks. Like, I am, I am God's creation. God did good on me. That's how you feel when you leave their home. He sold pharmaceuticals for 35 years. It has nothing to do with his gifting. Sometimes your skills and your giftings collide, but I would just say not always. So if you feel like, man, I'm a, I'm a, a barista, but I don't know how that works within the kingdom of God. Well, God, by the Holy Spirit, will show you the gifts that he's given you if you'll just ask. If you'll be willing to use them. I, I, one thing I know about God is to those who are willing to lay their lives down and offer it up to him as a living sacrifice, he will be very clear with what he wants us to do. He, listen, he's not trying to dangle the carrot out there and, and frustrate us and, 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 you know, go hide and make it super hard. He just wants people who are willing and he will dump it on. He will make it very clear what he wants his people to do as his people demonstrate faithfulness. There's people in this church that if you were to look at them, you might go, I don't really know what they have to offer. I know that sounds weird. But on paper, their lives don't really make a whole lot of sense within the kingdom of God. But in the kingdom of God, their lives make perfect sense. There's a guy here that goes to the church. His name is Tom. Tom is a plumber. And Tom is a really good plumber. And Tom... I I met him one day because I got a phone number from a friend who's used him and I didn't know he went to the church. And I just called Tom because our our house was backed up. (laughs) We needed Tom. So we called Tom. Actually, what it was is my wife. I'm going to call her out. (laughs) And it has nothing to do with the toilet, okay? So I would not embarrass her like that. My wife watched her mom as a little girl put uh, matches down the drain. But they were like the dissolvable matches, you know, like paper. They, they weren't like wooden stick matches. So Lisa, having wooden stick matches in our house, just used them, poured a little water on them, threw them down the drain. Well, after a few of those, our house wouldn't work. And so we got Tom to the house, and Tom, I love you, babe. You know that. Does anyone have a guest room tonight? I'm kidding. All right, so Tom 
is a great plumber. He comes over to the house. I don't know him from anyone. And he fixes our house in 30 minutes. And I have my checkbook and I said, what do I owe you? I had his name written out on it. He said, you don't owe me anything. What? No, Tom, what do I owe you? Seriously, I'm going to pay you. You don't owe me anything. Tom, come on. He left my house, wouldn't let me pay him. And he said to me as he was leaving, he said, if you know of any widows in the church or any, any people in the church who are uh, having a hard time, I just want you to give them my cell phone number and I'll come over and take care of it. And he made it clear that he would take care of it, not, you know, here's my going rate. That blew me away. What Tom didn't know was that we were pregnant with our second child, trying to save all of our money to have our second child. And a week before, a lady ran a red light and hit my wife and our daughter, who was one and a half at the time, totaled our car. She had gone to the hospital with our daughter, and we had these massive medical bills while we're trying to save up money to have a second child in a few weeks. And we didn't really have money to have a plumber come to our house. And, but I didn't share that with Tom, and Tom didn't care. He just was, I'm a plumber. I'm going to serve the body of Christ by being a good plumber. But, but you'd look at Tom, the plumber, and say, yeah, but he's not an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. What does he have to offer? Everything. He has the Spirit of God on the inside of him to offer. He has the love of Jesus Christ to offer. He has everything to offer. Ephesians is talking about this because this is a book on church. It's not a way of saying, hey, the people within the church are the superheroes and all of you just help them. Ephesians is about the body of Christ functioning in its fullness and it takes every single one of us in this room for the body of Christ to function. And then there's Lonnie. And Lonnie's our neighbor, and this lady cooks. I mean, she cooks, and she cooks, and she cooks, and she cooks, and she loves, and she's 70 years old, and she gives little stuffed animals to our kids. And I've put on, you know, you've heard of the freshman 15? Well, I put on the Lonnie 5. Lonnie just cooks, and she brings over these baked goods, and that, she serves the body of Christ the way God created Lonnie to serve the body of Christ as a 70-year-old woman. And it's beautiful. And then there's this guy, Brian. Brian comes over. He just is looking for a job to do. He's looking for, I mean, he's helped me lay wood floors and he's helped me re-landscape my yard. And he's always saying, please, would you call me next time you're doing a big project? Like, uh, are you sure? Because <laughs> if you are, I will call you. <laughs> like, he just loves to help. And that's how he, I mean, that's one of his ways of serving within the body of Christ. And then there's this guy, Brad, here at the church. Brad is, he's old, he's a good father, he's had great kids, he's got awesome grandkids, and Brad is just a father. And he's a grandfatherly type, and he's big and sweet and loving, and he laughs really loud and hard, and you are around Brad and you just feel safe. You feel like you're in the family. You feel like, man, I'm home here in this body because guys like Brad. What I, there is not a common denominator here except, as far as giftings, the common denominator is the love and the spirit of Jesus Christ that's at, at home in all of us as believers. And the gifts that God has given us, we had better use them for his glory. Ephesians 4.16, as each part does its work. 
That's what this talk about is tonight. It's, look, don't underestimate yourself. Don't think too highly of yourself, but think highly of yourself. How, you say. How can I use my gifts? I would call it an IPO. You know, in business, you've heard of an IPO. It's where a privately held company goes to Wall Street and has an initial public offer where they go from being a privately held company to where you and I can buy their stock and be shareholders and they're a public company now. Let's have a spiritual IPO where we all come and say, look, I'm no longer privately held, I'm, I'm publicly traded. God, have your way and show me who you want me to serve. God, I'm on the market and I'm willing and I'm ready and I'm looking. If you'll bring them to me, I will do my best to bless them. With whatever gifts you've given me, I'm not going to try to be something I'm not. So I'm, if I don't have that gift, I'm going to just try to love them how I can. I'm not going to beat myself up for not having the gift. But whatever you put inside of me, as you help me to serve, I will serve. Have an IPO, an initial public offering, where you go from being kind of cloistered and, and quiet and in the background to where you say, all right, God, I'm looking. Who? I'm a plumber. I don't know how important that is, but everyone needs their plumbing taken care of at some point. So I'm going to be, I'm going to help. I'm going to do that. Have an IPO. Let's all have an IPO where we, we're no longer private. We're public. We're available. This, this has to happen through relationship. I get people who come up to me all the time saying, hey, tell me what I need to do. I, I, I understand God's given me gifts, so what do I do? Well, sometimes I can help people. Other times, I don't know what to say because I'm not with the people that you're with. But as you know the people who are around you, I know what Miss Lonnie needs. Lonnie is my neighbor. You, you guys wouldn't know how to help Lonnie. But I can help Lonnie because I live with her. I live right next to her. We talk every day and she loves our kids and we're in her kitchen all the time. So I know how to help Lonnie. Well, you guys have some Miss Lonnies in your life that I'll never meet. So as you understand that God has given you gifts and you're starting to look within the circle of influence, the, the people that God has placed around you, my guess is you will have no shortage of opportunities to serve. So... It has to happen through relationship. While we at the church can help facilitate some of this, there's, there's a lot of it that we can't facilitate because we aren't with your people all the time. So allow God to use you with the people that you live with, the people that you love, the people that you're in the flow of life with. Does that make sense? 1 Corinthians 12, 4-7. I read it a minute ago, but I want to read it again in closing. There are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Can we just close our eyes here for a minute and think a little? Can you identify some of the gifts that God has put in you? If you aren't immediately aware of them, can you just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal them to you? And then as He reveals them, 
if you're willing to make them available, if you're willing to have an IPO, if you're willing to, to put them out there for the use of the body, would you just tell that to the Lord just right there? What would hold you back from using them? What would, hold, what would keep you from making available the gifts that God has put on the inside of you? Lord, right now, as the body of Christ here at New Life Church, we've heard your word tonight and we've seen your desire to prepare God's people for works of service. You've given some leadership within the church so that people would be ready to serve, people would be mobile and and agile and ready to act at the drop of a hat, ready to serve. So Lord, we pray that you would make us people who are willing and ready at all times to be your extended hands, your extended feet, your extended love to the body of Christ around us and to the, the world that's lost and looking for you. Lord, we pray that you would grow us up out of infancy into maturity. We pray that we would not be a people tossed to and fro by the winds and the waves and the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. We pray instead that we would be people who speak the truth in love in every circumstance. That we would be people of truth but never divorced from love. We pray that we would be a people who are looking at every opportunity to share your love in whatever way we can with anyone we can. And Lord, we pray that we would be a people that watch you bring the growth as each part in the body of Christ does its work. Lord, we want you to be glorified in your world. We want people that you created who who are distant from you to come to know you. Scripture says that you put a new song in our mouths, a hymn of praise unto our God, that many people would see it and fear and put their trust in the Lord. We pray that people would put their trust in you as a result of seeing the body of Christ all over this earth at work. Lord, we pray that we would go into villages. Lord, that the people of God would go into their villages and serve the poor and the widow and the needy. We pray that the people of God all over the earth would go into their jobs and be a light in the darkness and be salt. Lord, we pray that we would be a people of God who are committed to to taking care of our children and raising them in the fear and the admonition of your word. And as other parents with little kids see that, that they would say, what is it? that's different about those people. I have to know. I have to have that. Lord, we we don't think too highly of ourselves, but we aren't going to underestimate what you put inside of us. So we come before you to say, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done right here in the earth as it is in heaven. We will be your people, devoted to you and faithful to you. As you give us the grace, we will serve and give and bless wherever we go. In Jesus' name. Guys, you're beautiful, you're wonderful, you're gifted. God has called you. Now, this week, go out into the world, be salt and be light, and bring the gifts that God's given you and bless people everywhere you go. In Jesus' name, amen. Good night.